a heart test. <laughs> and I really believe that tithing is God's heart test. This is how God tests our heart. Turn to Malachi chapter 3. And uh, this is the, Malachi 3 is the last book in the Old Testament. And some of you, this is a very famous passage on uh, tithing. And you probably knew I'd get around to this passage at some point. Now, if you were not here last week, I want you to go by, I talked to Frank about it already, I want you to go by the tape table and get last week's message, just pick it up for free. Because I want every person to hear that, because I believe God spoke something last week that we need to hear as a body. And I need to hear it. And it was revelation to me. So if you were not here last week, just go by and say, I wasn't here last week and I need uh, last week's message. Malachi chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 6. And all the scriptures will be on the PowerPoint if you don't have your Bible. Malachi 3 verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Now we want to come back to that. All right. So remember that phrase. I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. Now, I want us to think about that, too. He said, you've gone away from my ordinances or my principles. Not just the Ten Commandments, but the principles, the ordinances that you should be living your life by. You've strayed from them, and you've not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said... In what way shall we return? How have we strayed? How shall we come back? Almost what Kevin said after six months of not tithing. What I do to get back. Verse 8 is an amazing verse to me. I know to some of you have been in church a long time. This is familiar. I know it's familiar. But don't lose the impact. Can you imagine the creator of the universe, God Almighty, says this. Verse 8, will a man... Rob God, yet you have robbed me. That's amazing to me that God would accuse people of robbing him. Yet you say, well, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings is the answer. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. He says it again. You've stolen from me. You're a thief. Even this whole nation bring all the tithes into the storehouse that, they may, that there may be food in my house and test or try, test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Notice who he's re rebuking the devourer for. Not for the church's sake. Not for, I mean, the corporate. Not for the kingdom's sake. He says, this is an individual promise. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Do you realize how much time Christians spend rebuking Satan? And here's a verse in the Bible that says, if you're a tither, God will rebuke him for you. You've you, you got to understand, when Satan comes to me, you're going to die, you're going you're gonna to go broke, church is not going to succeed, your family's going to strain. Whatever Satan tells me is a lie, I can say that's a lie because I'm a tither. That's how strongly I feel about this. You, you cannot touch me. God is going to rebuke you for my sake because, because you've got to remember how I believe about tithing when I preached this last week. It's putting God first. When God's first in your life, there's a hedge of protection around you, a hedge of His Word. 
So I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sakes, he says, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. That's your income. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord. And all nations will call you blessed. Or all nations is ethnos. All people, all the people around you will call you blessed for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, that's a great scripture on tithing. To be honest with you, I got mad at God about that scripture. Now, I wasn't mad because of what it said, because I'm a tither. you got to understand? But I'm a preacher on tithing. And the reason I got mad at God was because he put it in the Old Testament. And everybody gripes at me about that. that and I said to God, God, couldn't you have planned the Bible just a little better? I mean, just put a little forethought into it, God. I mean, this, this, these verses only missed by about 15 verses here. You know, if you look at Malachi 4, uh, it's only six verses. I mean, couldn't you have waited? Come on, just two chapters, God, just two chapters. And then people wouldn't always say to me, well, that's Old Testament. That's, that's Old Testament. You know what the Lord said? I put it right where I wanted it. Because tithing is a test. Now hear me. And if I put it in the New Testament, it wouldn't be as much of a test. This verse. Now, by the way, tithing is in the New Testament. We looked at even one scripture last week, and that's why you want to get saved. First Corinthians, where he said, lay aside in a proportion to your income. Every week, the first of the week, lay it aside, give it to the church. But and there's other scriptures we're going to look at tonight. But it's a test, and God wants it to be a test. I'm telling you, God can tell what's in your heart by your pocketbook. Now, the Lord did say to me when I was griping at him about this, he said, hey, I did throw in verse 6 for you. And remember verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. I do not change. So if God says in the Old Testament, you're robbing me, then God doesn't change, right? So in the New Testament, you're robbing me. It's the same thing. So we're going to look at some things tonight. Number one, tithing is a test. Matthew 6, verse 21. Look at this verse. Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I want you to look at that scripture for a little while. It doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. It doesn't say where, wherever your heart goes, that's where you'll be investing your money. No, it says just the opposite. It says wherever you invest, wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart will be also. Listen, your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows your treasure. For instance, you invest in a stock, and you start, all of a sudden, you, you open up the paper to that, you know. You just open up to that mutual fund or whatever it is, and you, you know why? You never looked at it before. You know why you never looked at it before? Because you didn't have any treasure in it. You didn't care whether it went up or down. Now your heart wants to know what's happening to that thing. You know, George is teaching this uh, financial class on Thursday nights, and he said at the end of it, does anyone have any questions? And I thought of one, but I thought, no, I'm, I'm not going to ask that. But my question was, how long should you cry when you find out how much your retirement fund lost last year? <laughs> and I've decided two hours is adequate. So, um, but I got the statement, you know, from January 1st, 2000 to January 1st, 2001, I lost 50% of my retirement account. Sure, I'm glad that my heart doesn't care about that. 
Wherever your treasure is, your heart will go after that. Do you want your heart in God's house? Then you start investing. And you, you'll start wanting to know what's going on in the church, and you'll start wanting to serve. See? Now, why a tithe? The word tithe means tenth. And I'm saying to you that tithing is a test. What does the number 10 represent in the Bible? You know what it represents? Testing. Every time you see the number 10, it represents testing. Here, I'll give you a pop quiz, all right? Here's a pop quiz. How many plagues were there in Egypt? 10. That's right. And what was, Pharaoh, what was God doing with the uh, plagues? He was testing Pharaoh's heart. He even said I'm going to test Pharaoh's heart. And he did it with 10. Why, why didn't he do it with 5? Why didn't he do it with 8? Why not 13? He did it with 10. How many commandments are there? 10. Say it louder. Come on. 10. I want everyone to get the pop quiz. 10. Do you really think God couldn't have thought of 11? Come on. Let's think about it. Why did he do 10? Because the commandments do what? They test. They test our heart. They test our character. How many times did God, see you may not know this, but you might be able to figure it out. How many times did God test Israel when they were wandering for 40 years in the wilderness? Ten. Ten. See, you, you got that right. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. Ten. When he was working for Laban. What was God doing? God was testing Jacob. All right, here's the next one. How many disciples were there? No, there were 12. I just... Uh, <laughs> Just, just, you know, I just want to see if you're awake on that. So everyone mark that down as a miss. You missed that one. There were 12 disciples. All right. How many days was Dan? Was, that was fun. How many days was, was Daniel tested? In Daniel chapter 1, how many days did they test Daniel? Ten. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? And how many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation 2.10? Go ahead. Come on. Ten. Ten represents testing. God tests our hearts with the tenth. That's what it is. And let me explain something to you. Uh, uh, George said this uh, Thursday night. God doesn't need your money. It's not your money that he needs. It's your heart. But I'm going to tell you something. Your heart is connected to your wallet. I guarantee you, I've seen people reaching their wallet for an offering, and they, when they start pulling out, it's like there's a string, and they go, oh, oh. It just pulls on your heart because there's some, there's a connection there. And that's how God can test your heart. But now here's the other thing about tithing. It's not only where God tests you. Listen to me. This is amazing. It's the only place in the Bible where you can test God. It's the only one. God says, I'll give you one test. You know what it is? Test me in this. Bring all the tithes and the offerings into my storehouse and test me. And see if I will not pour out a blessing. Go ahead, test me. You know what God is saying? I dare you. I dare you. Just see if you can not give me. I dare you. Just try it. I'm going to share our own giving testimony in a few weeks about how we really tried to outgive God during a season of our life. And uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, we just kept giving and kept giving, and God kept bringing more in, so we were able to give more. And uh, we, but we were not able to outgive Him. Now, this passage in Malachi, Malachi three seems so simple to me. Think about this: it has some words in it. It has the words "cursed" and it has the words "blessed." 
If you tie, you're blessed. If you don't tie, you're cursed. Now, let's think about that for a minute and try and figure that out. Hmm. Okay, now, if I tithe, I'm blessed. Hmm. Now, if I don't tithe, I'm cursed. Now, this is hard, isn't it? I mean, this takes time. You've got to think about this. Let's see, now, do I want to be blessed? Hmm. Or do I want to be cursed? See, there's not not blessed. You know, have you noticed that in the Bible? It's heaven or hell. It's not blessed and not blessed. It's blessed or cursed. All right, now I know what some of you are saying. Well, I'm a Christian. I can't be cursed. Christ bore the curse of the law. Well, you need to study what the curse of the law was, and you need to study what this curse was. Are you saying because you're a Christian, you can live any way you want to, and it won't affect you? Is that what you're saying? Hey, uh, yes, Jesus bore the curse of the law on the cross, but let me ask you something else. Did he bear sickness on the cross? Matthew 8 says he bore our sicknesses. All right? Since you've been a Christian, have you ever been sick? Well, you can be sick. He bore your sickness. Well, you've been sick, though, haven't you? But when you get sick, what do you have to do? You have to appropriate by faith what he did on the cross. Did he bear sin on the cross for you? Absolutely. You ever sinned since you were a Christian? I'm telling you, you walk in disobedience, you can bring curses on you and your family. Blessed, cursed, blessed, cursed. So other people say, well, tithing was a part of the law, and I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. You ever heard that one? I'm under grace. I'm not, I'm not under the law. Well, let me give you some examples about that. You know, Jeff is, uh, Pastor Jeff's with the children tonight. So I, I'm going to tell you all some lies about Jeff. <laughs> hey, I can do that. Because I'm not under the law. Right? I'm under grace. The law says not to bear false witness, but I'm not under law. I'm a Christian, so I, I'll just lie. See, are y'all? See, that's not right. Let me, let me here. Ken, that's a good word. Ken, let me see your wallet. I want to show another example. Let me go on. Thanks. All right, now that was that example. Now, see, I can keep this because I'm not under the law, right? The law says, "Thou shalt not steal." I'm, see, what I'm saying is, I'll give this back to you, buddy. All right. So, see the see the thing to say. I'm a Christian. I'm not under. Listen to me. I'm not talking about being under the law. I'm talking about principles in the Word of God. There are principles that go all through the Word, and you can't say just because something tithing was a part of the law, but it was 550 years before the law. 550 years before the law. Actually, if you want to go back to Cain and Abel, it's 2,500 years before the law, which is what we did last week. We went all the way back to Cain and Abel, giving their first to the Lord, and one didn't. See, you say, well, that's, I'm not under the law. See, if I'm not under the law, I can do anything I want to do, right? I mean, anything at all that I want to do. You know, there's times Donnie doesn't do the overhead quick enough. And Frank sometimes doesn't do the tape just like I want. <laughs> hey, I'm not under the law. What well, smells bad? <laughs> are are y'all following me? 
I'm not under law, I'm under grace. Well, turn to, well, you don't have to turn to it, or you can if you want to, flip over a few pages, but the scripture will be up. Matthew chapter 5. It's over just a few pages. I want to look at what Jesus said about this. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 17. Matthew 5, 17. Jesus said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets, but I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. But assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law until all is fulfilled. Now watch verse 19 carefully. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, does and teaches them, not just teaches but does them, shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. See, I think there are people who teach you don't have to tithe. And I think they're teaching you don't have to do what the Bible says. It's a principle. Verse um, 20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want to make a statement here, all right? The righteousness of grace always exceeds the righteousness of the law. Let me say that again. The righteousness of grace always exceeds the righteousness of the law. See, he said, if your righteousness, this is amazing. Jesus said, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not even going to get to go to heaven. Now, that's, a, that's, that's strong. Now, watch his example. Verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Now, where, where, where have we heard, you shall not murder? Where have we heard that? The law, the Ten Commandments, right? And whoever commits murder is in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, here's what I want to show you. Jesus is grace. Grace shows up on the scene. Jesus is the embodiment of grace. You know what he says? You've heard it said... Thou shalt not murder. But I say, don't even be angry. Hey, that's farther than thou shalt not murder. Isn't that farther? You, you understand what I'm saying? See, Jesus shows up on the scene and says, the law says, but let me tell you what grace says. Grace says, yeah, don't murder them, but don't even be angry with them. Are, are you all following me on this? All right, look at verse 27, same, same chapter. You have heard that it was said to those of all, you shall not commit adultery. Where had they heard that said? The law, the Ten Commandments. But I, grace says, that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery within his heart. That's farther. That's higher. That's a higher bar. That's, that's more. Are, are, are you all following me on this? The law says don't commit adultery. I say don't even lust in your heart. That's what grace says. And then look at verse 33. You have heard it said, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths. But I say do not swear at all. Is that farther? Okay, you ready for this? The righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of law. So, if anyone here says to me, well, I don't tithe, I don't give 10% because I'm not under law, I'm under grace. I'm going to say, praise the Lord. <laughs> if you give by grace, that means you give more than 10%. Ten percent is just the minimum. That's just the starting point. That's the principle, and it belongs to God. I do believe that. 
But see, we have the wrong concept. Because I'm under grace, I don't even have to do the minimum. I can lie and I can cheat and I can lust in my heart and it's all okay because I'm not under the law. I'm not saying we're under the law. I'm not saying that. I'm telling you, though, if you've met Jesus, God's changed your heart and you want to live righteously. And Kevin put a great, he had a great thing tonight when he said, God changed my heart. It's when God put giving in my heart. That's what I'm talking about. See, that's what God wants. It's in our heart. Here's the second thing about tithing. Tithing is biblical. See, I think most people don't believe it's biblical. They think Malachi 3 is the only scripture on tithing. I used to think, I came from a denominational background, I used to think there's only one scripture on being baptized in the Holy Spirit in, is in the book of Acts. There's just one scripture on it, you know. And Of course, one should have been enough. But as I began studying it, I, I personally, personally, I found the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 40 out of 66 books in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. But I think it's the same way with tithing. I think people don't know it's in the Bible. So I want to show you some scripture. We'll go over them quickly. Genesis 14, verse 18. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He's, he's greeting Abraham as he's coming back from a battle. At this point, his name's Abram. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies in your hand. And he, Abram, gave him a tithe of all. This is 550 years before the law. Abraham, our spiritual father, tithed to Melchizedek. And in a minute, we're going to read who Melchizedek really probably was. Some believe he represented Christ. Uh, some believe he actually was Christ. And it's very possible that he was because Jesus showed up a whole lot in the Old Testament. Uh, hopefully, I hope you know that. I mean, he was all over the place. You remember when the four guys were, uh, the uh, three Hebrew children cast into the fire? And he looked down and he saw four in the fire. And the other one was the son, like the son of God, he said. All right, so he showed up a lot. So anyway, this is before. Now, let me tell you something else. We, we went over this last week. But I just saw these words as I read the story again. You remember God asked for Isaac, his son, and we talked about that last week? You know what he said after Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac? Now I know what's in your heart. That's what tithing does. It tests our heart. It's biblical. Genesis 28, 22. Jacob said, This stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Five, this is 500 years before the law. 500 years before the law, Abraham and Jacob were already tithing. Why? Because it's a principle all through the Scripture. Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first, remember we talked about it last week, the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God has given you and put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Now I want to talk about that for a minute. I want you to look at this. When you get your tithe, he said, you put it in a basket and you go to the place where the Lord chooses to make his name abide. Listen to me. I believe strongly in tithing to the local church. I, I believe that strongly. I believe the Bible teaches on tithing to, the, to the, the storehouse or the temple even. Those Jews 
that when they went, when they tithed, they went it to the temple. They didn't go somewhere else. They didn't do this. They didn't do that with it. This says you take your tithe and you go to the place where the Lord chooses to make his name abide. He, he didn't say send it to the, a radio preacher. He didn't send, say send it to a television ministry. And we believe in, in giving to ministries over and above the tithe, though. He said you go to the place where the Lord chooses to make his name abide. And then look at verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. Verse 14. And I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for any unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you've commanded me. You see what he's saying in verse 14? I didn't use it for anything else. I didn't go on vacation with it because I was a little short and told you I'd borrow it and make it up to you later. I didn't pay the Christian school tuition with it. I didn't pay the back, back payment on the car with it. I, I didn't uh, uh, give it to someone else. I didn't do anything. That's what he's saying there, verse 14. I didn't use it for anything else. I took the tithe. I went to the place where you've chosen to place your name, and I gave the tithe. Matthew 23, verse 23. Here's New Testament, if you like New Testament. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. These are herbs. These are flavorings for food and had neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now, he's getting on the hypocrite. He said, you pay tithe of every little thing, but you forget these weightier things, justice, mercy, and faith. But watch what he says next. This is Jesus now. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Now, this is in red. Okay, this is New Testament, Matthew. Are you seeing this? Jesus said, you pay tithe, but you leave these other things undone. Then he says, you ought to do that. You ought to do that. Just don't leave the others undone. Do you, do you see that in your Bible? I've had so many people say, well, if tithing was, you know, God wants to do it, it'd be in the New Testament. That's Matthew's New Testament. Well, Jesus should have said somebody. That's Jesus. These you ought to have done. Jesus said you ought to tithe. Just don't leave the others undone. But you should, you should, still should have done this. And then Hebrews 7 says this Melchizedek, we want to come back to that. King of Salem, priest of the Most High God. This is New Testament, by the way. Who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being translated, now listen, this is, the, this is what Melchizedek means, all right? Melchizedek means king of righteousness. See if you can figure out who this probably was that he met. King of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Now this Melchizedek, his name meant king of righteousness. wonder who the king, not the prince. Not the prince, but the king. The king of righteousness and the king of peace. And watch the next verse. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, 
remains a priest continually. So it's okay with me if you believe he represented him or he was him personally. I don't, I don't mind either way. But he, even if you say he represented him, well, this is a, an example of us that he gave tithes to the king of peace, to the king of righteousness, the one who had no gene, genealogy, no beginning of days, nor end of life. All right, and then let's go on. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people. Now, this is New Testament. Those who are of the priesthood, New Testament now, have a commandment to receive tithes. It didn't say had a commandment, past tense. It said have a commandment to receive tithes from the people, from the brethren, though they've come from the loins of Abraham, but he whose genealogy is not derived from them, blessed him who had the promises. Look at the next verse. I just want to keep you all awake. Verse 7. Now beyond all contradiction, now beyond all con that's so much fun to play that guy. Beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Now let's talk about that for a minute. The lesser is blessed by the better. We're talking about Abraham and Melchizedek. Who would the lesser be? Abraham. And Melchizedek being representing Christ, being the better. You know what he's saying there? He's saying the one who gets blessed is the one who gives the tithes. See, what he's saying is the tithe didn't bless Melchizedek. It blessed Abraham. Now watch verse 8 carefully. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there, where's that talking about? Heaven, look. But there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. And again, it's really referring to physically Melchizedek, but he represents Christ to us. Let me tell you what I get out of that passage. Jesus receives my tithes. When I tithe, I'm giving directly to Christ. Even though I'm giving to the body of Christ, I'm giving to Christ. And here's the last thing. Tithing is a benefit. Second Chronicles 31, King Hezekiah started reading the word. So he put out a command to the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance of first fruits, of grain, wine, oil, and honey, and of all the produce of the land. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Do you see how first fruits and tithe are interchangeable in this verse? Look at the next verse. And the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heat. In the third month, they began laying them in heat, and they finished in the seventh month. It took four months for them to catch up on their tithe because they had not been doing it. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps piled up, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests, because he saw this mound, this, all this stuff. And the Levites concerned the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we've had enough and to eat and plenty left over. Watch. For the Lord has blessed his people. And what is left is this great abundance. Do you see when the blessing started? When they started giving. Since the people began to give, the Lord has blessed. See, that's the, that's the tithing testimony. Now, 
Scripture says, let every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. You ever heard that scripture? Okay, well, I want to give you the witnesses. I've been in ministry for 20 years now. I've counseled with lots of people. Everyone who doesn't tithe gives me the same testimony. Same testimony. It's all the same. Everyone who doesn't tithe, this is their testimony. I can't afford to tithe. They all say that. Every one of them. They all say, I can't afford to tithe. But everyone who tithes gives me the same testimony as well. It's all the same for those, for that group. You know what their testimony is? I've been so blessed. I'm, God just blesses. I am so blessed. Okay, now, let's think. You remember a while ago? Blessed. Curse. Remember how hard that was? Okay, here's another one. I can't afford to tithe. I've been so blessed. This doesn't take force gun to figure this one out, people. Come on. And this is simple. Are are, are you all following me? I can't afford it. You know why you can't? Because you're robbing God. That's the Bible. And you're cursed with a curse. Now, here's the last illustration. Let's say I'm going away on a trip. Okay? I'm going to go away and... And um, I'm going to send some money back, but I'm going to send it through some people to take care of Debbie. And so, you know, I'm going to uh, tell Frank and Ken and Roger. I'm going to send them back. Roger's here tonight, so he gets in on the illustration, all right? So I'm going to send each of these guys $10,000 a month. And what I want them to do is give Debbie $1,000 a month each. That's all. That's it. That's all. Now, don't. This is an illustration, so don't ladies ought to say, "Well, y'all just send her the thirty grand." You know, I, no, I'm this is just the illustration, okay? So, I'm sending, I'm giving Frank ten thousand, giving Ken ten thousand, giving Roger ten thousand, and I say to them, "You can keep nine thousand of it, just just for doing this for me." But a thousand dollars each month, I want you to give to Debbie. Now, I want y'all to kind of get ahead of me on this illustration here, okay? So I call back after a few months, and I say to Debbie, how's the money coming in? And she says, well, Frank sends it $1,000 every month. First of the month, there, just like clockwork. That would be Frank, too, wouldn't it? He just, just, it's there. No doubt, it's there. First of the month, it's there. Now, Ken has been sending 2000 a month. I don't know why. He just, every month, he sends $2,000 a month. And they call, Ken and Luann, they call, and they check on us, and Luann's come over and help with the kids, and... I mean, they've just been an incredible blessing. But now, Roger. <laughs> the first month, he sent 700 <laughs> And the second month, 400 And he hadn't sent anything this month. Now, come on, get ahead of me on this illustration, but now think about this. How angry... Am I at Roger? I mean, he, I'm going to get get the gun. Get the gun. Come on now. I mean, listen. The guy can keep $9,000. It's all my money. It's all mine. I just want 10% for my bride. That's all I want. Are you, are you following me? 
Now, let me tell you what I'm learning about Roger. I'm learning about his character. I'm learning about how much he thinks of me. I'm learning how much he thinks of my wife. I'm learning how much he fears me or doesn't fear me. And I'm going to tell you what, the church has a big problem with the fear of God, with not fearing God. Huge problem. And I'm also realizing how much he loves me or doesn't love me. Are you, are you hearing me? I'm telling you, Jesus, through your pocketbook, you're telling him, you're telling him about your character. You're telling him how much you think of him or don't think of him. You're telling him how much you think of his wife. See, Jesus, what Jesus' wife is what? The church. See, Jesus said, I'm going away for a while. I want you all to take care of my wife while I'm gone until I come back. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of all your needs. I just want 10% to take care of my wife. That's all I want. That's it. Now, what do you think I'm going to do to Roger? Well, I'm probably going to get the gun, but other than that, I'm cutting him off. I'm not sending him any more money because I can't trust him. I just ask him to do one thing. That's all I ask him to do. I can't trust him. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take the 10000 I'm sending him. I'm going to give it to Ken. Because I can trust him. Are you all following me on this? See, tithing is a test. It's a heart test. It tells where your heart is. Now, let's just pretend for a minute that the Word of God is true. Okay? Let's just pretend that it's true. And God said, I dare you. I dare you. Test me. Just see. I, I dare you to tithe for one month and see what happens. I dare you. And you know how I can make that, how I can say that? Because I got God to back it up. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. At the bottom of your sheet, and you don't need to look at it right now because I really want you to just close your eyes, but there's a question. That, the question is, what is God saying to me through this message? And I want you to ask God that right now. I want you to ask Him. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? You know, I had a lady tell me one time, she had a little part-time job. She actually did it out of her home. It was like a um, like a thing with Tupperware or something like that. And she said to me one time after I preached on tithing, I never realized. I never tithed. I never tithed off my increase. My husband did, and I, off of his paycheck, and but I never did. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Father, I pray in Jesus' name, not for the good of the church as a corporate entity, but for the good of the church as individuals. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would seal and cement the work that you're doing in our hearts, not our pocketbooks, in our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would seal the work that you're doing in our hearts. 
And I pray, Lord, you take this message and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.